Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Okay, hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Keith Lemmer from Wellnut. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me today. You bet. Uh, So here's the game plan. Uh, What we seek to do here on this show is challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. Sound like something you'd like to help with? Absolutely. All right. So to get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you and WellNet so our audience has a little bit of context about who they're, they're listening to, and then we'll get into it. So Keith Lemmer is a lifelong entrepreneur and the CEO of WellNet, a privately held and disruptive health insurance company delivering immediate, lower cost, level, and self-funded health insurance plans to businesses around the nation. Keith holds a patent for a network-based healthcare management and is also a founder of Healthcare Interactive, a software development firm that builds applications to control and consolidate healthcare management within a single system. He lobbies extensively on Capitol Hill for healthcare reform and also is on the board of the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. Keith is the chairman of the board of Unsung Heroes, a university system platform that enhances workforce development and entrepreneurship opportunities for those employees that keep the nation's colleges running behind the scenes, though often go and recognize it. And finally, uh, when he's not working on his business or in community mentorship or spending time with his family, Keith is a sous chef in training. That sounds like fun. Absolutely. I, uh, I took a cooking course when I was uh, 21 years old and I have not stopped. I like that. Well, uh, I grew up in a, in a family uh, where uh, cooking was uh, a big part of uh, the, the interaction at uh, family events and uh, I have two younger brothers and we are all the primary cooks in the family. So there you go. Very nice. All right. So Keith, you, you've got an interesting background. You've obviously been um, working on the healthcare payer side for a while, but you didn't start there. You started in, in venture capital focused on healthcare and biotech investments. So tell us, how did you, what, what was your career evolution to land uh, as the CEO of Wellnut? Sure. And I'd even take a step back from there. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've had businesses since the time I was 12 years old, whether it's uh, selling sodas on the golf course or t-shirts in high school. And then uh, when I went to college, I started a publishing business, uh, like a telephone directory for students that I rolled out all across the country and uh, sold after we hit 50 schools, kind of like a pre-Facebook. And then uh, I went into the venture space, uh, basically because the connectivity that I had on uh, campuses around the nation. And what we had done at the time was basically invest dollars given uh, students that had developed some, you know, very promising technology with professors. And, uh, you know, we funded those companies with a million to $3 million and many of them healthcare related uh, opportunities. Uh, While I was doing that, there was a a gentleman who had started WellNet. They were uh, a little dental company, uh, primarily on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, we had talked about how we can make WellNet bigger, better, stronger. And uh, we took this little dental company and, uh, you know, turned it into, uh, you know, a full service health plan, but with lots of areas of opportunity along the way that finally got us there. And I'll share that with you, you know, as we uh, as we progress as well today. Great, great. Well, as you know, we have a, a healthcare system that is is fairly 
dysfunctional and really consumes more and more of our disposable income, effectively making us poorer as a society as it eats up money that could be better spent uh, elsewhere. I'm, I'm thinking specifically, there was a, a visual in the Wall Street Journal not too long ago where it shows per capita spending you know, in various categories. And the only one to increase is healthcare while spending on other basic needs has, has decreased across the board. So, so clearly that's a problem. So tell me in your words, Keith, what do you think is wrong with our healthcare system and, and why do you think costs continue to increase the way they do? Yeah, I think there are a few things wrong with the healthcare system, Michael, but if I had to identify just a, a couple of those, I'd say, you know, there's a lack of transparency uh, in healthcare. You know, if you think about everybody that's surrounding the healthcare plan, the carriers, the PBMs, the others, you know, they actually want the prices to go up as much as possible because the more that a company or an individual spends, the more that those entities make. So, you know, clearly, if we had some transparency laws that were in place, I think we could avoid uh, the kind of price creep that we continue to see, uh, you know, on, a, on an annual basis. The others, and, uh, you know, just identified recently in the Wall Street Journal, I'd say about the uh, third week in September, and then again yesterday with Chuck Grassley, is the, um, let's call it, uh, the opportunities that health systems and health insurers have to protect and or hide prices uh, and the lack of steering ability that businesses have to determine when they're in a particular network, which hospital has the highest quality and lowest cost. So I would say the transparency and some of the items that we're actually seeing with the health insurers and health systems around the nation are some of our biggest issues. All right, Keith, you've described WellNet as an entrepreneurial approach to reducing healthcare costs and a way for businesses to take back the profits from traditional health insurance companies. So there's a lot of implications in that particular statement. So tell us, what is the WellNet product and service and what problem or problems are you attempting to solve? Sure. So, you know, what WellNet has done, we're kind of like a, a TPA on steroids. We've basically taken the healthcare system, the plan, and broken it down and built it back together more efficiently. And so while we still have access to the large national networks, we've created an opportunity where businesses, uh, they can actually approach their health plan in a, in a crawl, walk, run type of manner in terms of how much or how little disruption do they want to the plan? How much do they want to save? Because there's lots of opportunities where members can be educated to find and to have access to lower cost physicians, but many don't have the tools to do that. So we provide an entrepreneur's approach to be able to do that both systematically and on a large scale basis. And the best thing about it is that Wellman is not beholden to a large national insurance company who in essence is answering to Wall Street and not Main Street. Who we respond to are the CEOs who own the companies, the CFOs and HR, and then certainly the broker consultant partners around the nation that are bringing our solution in. So it's really about the right innovation and the best member experience. Got it. And, and I want to dive in, into all of those, but certainly you know, I can appreciate the, um, the fact that you're not beholden to Wall Street. I mean, they're, they're public companies um, that, are, that have to report on earnings on a quarterly basis. You know, there's a lot of misaligned incentives um, in healthcare there. So, so you mentioned um, a crawl, walk, run approach. Let's talk about that. What, is it, what does it mean to crawl, walk, and run in the WellNet uh, product portfolio? 
Sure. So we, we look at it like this. Lots of companies say they want to save a lot of money, but they want, don't want a lot of disruption. And so what we do, the crawl approach to us is having the ability to swap a plan out and put in WellNet vis-a-vis uh, a lower cost plan. You know, take their network, put in a, a lower cost network by a few points. Take their pharmacy plan, put in a lower pharmacy plan in place, giving same access to the doctors and hospitals and the pharmacy stores members are using, but removing a lot of the margin in place. Taking a group that may be fully insured that may wish to either level or self-fund. So removing a lot of that margin. That typically saves about 10 to 15%. The walk approach to us is now having the ability to have this exact same thing, but now insert a concierge, a concierge that may direct and educate members on higher quality, lower cost facilities that may be in the same exact town or vicinity to where that member is actually living. And if you can find a health system that may be five miles across town from the one you're currently using because of that concierge, they've identified 36 different metrics that make somebody uh, a better candidate to perform the surgery as well as being lower cost. And maybe that physician on that particular procedure, whether it's a knee surgery, a back surgery, they could be, you know, one surgery could be 50,000, another could be 30,000. And thus the employer has just saved $20,000. And what we suggest to the employer in that walk approach is waiving the members deductible. So you're educating, you're incentivizing, and you're saving money. And then the third item going to the run is simply going to a Medicare plus pricing, uh, reference-based pricing. So in essence, you're removing the network in place. We certainly don't recommend a run approach for somebody who's coming from a fully insured model uh, off the bat. This is really, Michael, a multi-year approach with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can basically offer a traditional network and uh, an RX plan, but you know, take a lot of the margin out. And, and you know, maybe some of the misaligned incentives. Uh, and that's the, that's the crawl approach. And there's some efficiencies and savings there. But I think, you know, the, the, the walk approach that you mentioned is interesting because I think when, when you talk about really steerage, you're talking about the network waste that exists in a traditional network where services for the same quality can have huge price variation. And so you're talking about inserting um, not only benefit incentives, but also a, uh, a support system to help employees, you know, sort of navigate that network and, and direct them to lower cost opportunities within the network. Correct? Exactly. That is exactly right. And, and it's interesting, you know, one of the things that, that we see in a traditional healthcare purchasing structure is obviously there's, there's, you know, no price transparency, a lot of waste behind the veil of a network, but also traditional benefit design is very much wasteful as well. You know, with a deductible and coinsurance, there's really not a lot of incentive for employees to make better decisions. So talk to me a little bit about the mechanism that you use to waive, you know, a deductible or employee cost share when somebody is presented with a lower cost option and they actually say, yes, I'm going to go to, you know, the MRI that costs 500 versus the MRI that costs 3000. 
Yeah, absolutely. Think about this, ready? Whether you use an MRI example or a colonoscopy, at one health system, the colonoscopy could be $4,500, and at another uh, facility, the colonoscopy could be $1,500. That's a $3,000 savings. If we can educate the member to say, listen, why not consider going to that higher quality because they're better rated as well and lower cost facility? We'll waive your deductible on your health insurance plan. We set up an HRA with the employer, and now the employer is responsible for taking care of that deductible for the employee, as well as now has just saved, you know, in a gross number, $3,000 on the cost of the procedure. So the employer has benefited, the employee with lower cost, the employee has benefited because they've gotten their deductible waived, and the employee has gotten a better physician at a equally, if not better rated facility to perform that procedure. So everybody wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so how are you engaging employees to pick up the phone and and talk with that concierge? Because I know it's not part of the current consumer paradigm. I mean, most consumers are going to be inclined to go see a doctor. The doctor is going to make a recommendation for them to, you know, get the colonoscopy within the health system that they're affiliated with or, you know, with, you know, somebody they're familiar with or, you know, have the MRI, you know, again, down the street with somebody, you know, facility that they're familiar with. So how do you, and most consumers, right? Because they haven't been educated. They, you know, they've been doing the same thing for years. They're just going to follow the the specialist recommendation or the physician's recommendation. So how, great, how do you great question, Michael. That? And yeah, how we tackle that is that we put the same plan designs that the employer currently has in place, and then we suggest offering an additional layer of a plan design that waives the deductible. So many employees, they could say, listen, I want to go to the doctor or the physician's facility that I want to go to because I'm comfortable. I know them. My brother-in-law re- recommended, and they can still do that. They can pay the same deductible, same money that they were paying before, as will the employer. Or on the other hand, there's that new plan design that says, listen, pick up the phone, call the concierge, that is just like working with someone at Nordstrom's or the Ritz-Carlton, and they're going to give you a variety of items that will share with you as the employee why that physician is better, why the facility is better, and oh, by the way, the cost is substantially less, and in selecting that facility, that physician for that procedure, mm-hmm. the employer group has agreed to waive your deductible. For most employees who don't have $1,000 in the bank, you know, I think it's 40% of employees around the nation don't have $1,000 in the bank, a recent study said, that's a huge win for them. Now they've just saved all this money and they don't have the ability, they don't have the concern of, can I go get that treatment? Yep. Do I have, do I have challenges taking care of my family for that procedure? They have the best of both worlds. It's ultimately their choice. And I think if you give people the information, you give them the ability to understand and make their own decision, surrounded by an expert, they will typically make that right decision. And what we're seeing with our plans is that about 60% of our members are choosing the ability to have their deductible waived. And that's with these new plans we've rolled out. Got it. That's actually phenomenal engagement. I, I understand the the redirecting or network optimization, you know, with, with the concierge, but you also mentioned quality. So what information, uh, you know, is the, the concierge within WellNet um, using to determine quality? 
Absolutely. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you are uh, going in for a knee, procedure, knee surgery, as an example, and you're living in the um, you know, Nashville region. And so you look at that market area and we've determined that maybe there are 60 physicians in that region that perform this procedure. We want to look at the adequate volume the number of procedures that that particular physician or physicians are performing. We then look to the quality. How are they actually rated? What is their cost factor? And then ultimately, have they agreed to accept a lower cost reimbursement than maybe somebody across town? And so at a high level, maybe you start with 60 physicians and then you narrow down at each step. Each of those particular steps then reduces that 60, maybe down to 40. And the variety of criteria that then also are overlaid with that is where did they go to school, what's their medical experience, fellowships, board certification, uh, any other outliers, malpractice issues. And so it allows the employee to make a really um, thoughtful decision because right now, you know, whether it's you or I, you know, if we're with one of the large carriers, our, our choices are to Google, maybe ask our primary care physician who may be owned by the health system and they'll steer them to that health system uh, professional across town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or uh, we call the carrier and the carrier is typically not going to, you know, recommend somebody else who's not in their network. So, um, again, going back to your comment, the misaligned incentives are large and, you know, challenging for anybody really to make a cost and quality decision right now. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we've discussed with um, with one of your your associates is is the fact that you guys do medical bill review. I think that's something we've talked about this on 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 the podcast with with other people. Um, the the degree and the pervasiveness of hospital billing ever uh, errors is incredible. And so you know what we find is that most TPAs are not auditing hospital bills for, for errors. So tell us about how you're incorporating medical bill review, you know, into, you know, your process. We'd love to say that we can do it prospectively. The challenge is, is that uh, the networks that we have access to, um, you know, there are uh, items that we're allowed to do and there are items we're not allowed to do. So the medical bill review that we traditionally do is after the fact. I know that's not fantastic, but, you know, at least it's an area of opportunity to uh, recover, uh, you know, potentially a large degree of savings that, uh, you know, may have never been available. Well, abs- absolutely. I think there's just a lot of money being left on the table. And so is there, is there a threshold, even though it's done retrospectively, is, it, is there a threshold at which you guys are looking at, you know, certain dollar amounts? We typically like to do 25000 and above. And, you know, frankly, we're always uh, revisiting that figure because if there is the ability to go to ten or fifteen or even 5000 and above, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, certainly we'd like to do. And I'd say equally as important, our customers would like us to do. If you look at, uh, you know, the, the bills coming out of the health systems, I've read some statistics that, you know, a lot of the errors and oversight, you know, depending on how you want to categorize them, you know, could be as high as 90 plus percent. So there are a lot of areas to uncover waste and some inefficiency, Michael. Absolutely. As part of your, your crawl, walk, run approach, you know, you mentioned the fact that you can do, do reference-based pricing as well. And so um, talk to us a little bit about, about that process. And, you know, are you, are you predetermining the multiple of Medicare that uh, an employer, you know, is going to determine? Is that, you know, customizable? Um, and, and, you know, what sort of support are you, are you providing to the, the employees, you know, in that sort of RBP, you know, plan design? 
Absolutely. So, you know, we've partnered with an organization that handles a lot of the back end logistics for us. And uh, that organization has stitched together 800,000 physicians that have agreed to accept the Medicare plus pricing. We found that if you talk to certain doctors, you know, uh, 20% above Medicare may be too low. I think 75% is too high. 50% above Medicare seems to be the magic number of which a lot of physicians are willing to accept, you know, that particular rate. And so anytime, if we have a group that's going full reference-based pricing, all the member has to do for that uh, uh, particular procedure is call the concierge office, get somebody's name, number. They can do some additional uh, quality metrics. Uh, behind the scenes. And as long as they uh, arrange that visit in advance, uh, that particular physician will agree to accept that particular rate, that plus 50% above Medicare, um, you know, which, you know, we just did an analysis on one of our clients. There are about 150 employees. They've been running on reference-based pricing for a year. The total plan spend reduced by 60% year over year. We didn't, um, we didn't go in with a, a suture uh, it was really about employees making the right decision in advance of care and as well as taking quality. I mean, the, the CEO and the CFO of this company, they were absolutely, they didn't expect that, frankly. And we anticipated a 30, 30 to 40% savings. So when the figures came in at 60, I think it surprised all of us. Well, absolutely. And, and when you're implementing the, the reference-based pricing plan, are you able to implement the same sort of incentive benefit design where, whereby deductible gets waived, you know, when the concierge is engaged? Absolutely. So, you know, it, it is about, um, first about creating smarter consumers and the way to create smarter consumers is teach them and educate them. And whether you're buying a pair of sneakers or the new iPhone, you know, it typically takes, you know, people five to 15 times before they understand and they make a decision. So we provide a great deal of education as well as incentives on the front end before a plan is even rolled out. And that includes offering an alternative plan design to really incentivize that member, Michael, to choose, you know, that particular reference-based pricing plan that may not have existed in the uh, organization before. Yeah, exactly. Now, what and we also th- include, and, and, in, and in, in particular, we also include, you know, the members' dependence in that education. So whether it's videos or webinars or printed materials or items in Spanish, it, the, the key is communication. So the rollout process is critically important. Well, I think the rollout process and I think probably the concierge, you know, role is incredibly important, especially for the reference-based pricing to, to be able to reach out to the physician or the facility, you know, upfront, you know, to avoid any potential misunderstandings or balance billing, you know, scenarios. One of the things that I believe you guys do differently is you're not just offering TPA services for, for self-insured employers. You, you actually offer some uh, alternative level funding products for, for those employers who maybe aren't ready to take on full risk. Can you describe how those products work for our audience? Yeah, we, we kind of look at level funding as, uh, you know, it's like baby steps to self-insuring. So a lot of companies that are 50 employees and above, you know, uh, they may have a healthy demographic, but they don't want to step uh, into the deep end entirely. And so a level funded plan basically takes a self-funded plan, it wraps stop loss with it, divides it into 12 equal monthly installments and includes run out for claims that come in after the plan year, and then provides that equal budgetable payment that looks and smells just like a fully insured plan. 
And then at the end of the year, whatever money is left over, and I'd almost say probably 60, 65, 70% of the time, there traditionally is a surplus. That surplus then gets refunded to the employer, of which they can take back as cash, or they can use to apply to their you know, premiums on the following year. But two things have happened there. The employer has saved a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they've gotten their data to tell them what's going on inside their plan, what's right, what's wrong, and where there are areas of opportunity. Because right now, employer-based health insurance, you're dealing with a family of four, it's running about $20,000 a year. It doesn't matter how successful that employer is, the employer, when they then average that figure over the number of employees, it's their third or fourth biggest line at an expense of which they have no insight, no visibility, and no ability to manage that expense down. It's supply chain management at its best. That's what we allow. And that is the first step before a group may want to step in, Michael, to the full deep end of self-insured. Absolutely. I think the data thing is is critical. I mean, I, I think for if you're buying, you know, a fully insured product, you know, off the rack and, you know, you're less than 200 employees, even less than 250, oftentimes the data you get is awful um, and minimal. And so, you know, I think having that data uh, for an employer that's as small as 50 employees is, is huge. I, I saw, Michael, a study recently. I think it was from Politico or Axios uh, here in Washington, a, a news source that many members on the Hill read. And, and it said something that just is frightening for any employer. And that's, you know, 67% of employees say that they're incredibly worried about being able to pay a surprise medical bill. And 53%, almost half of employees fear they won't be able to pay their deductibles. So, mm-hmm. you know, given those two statistics, it's incredibly important that upon renewal season, employers really dig in with their broker consultant and ask the tough questions, ask the right questions. What can we do? How will this benefit us? Where are there areas of opportunity? And is staying with the traditional insurance carrier, is that the right approach for us, especially as we've you know, jumped from one to another of the past few years and still have seen limited, if any, results? Well, we, we've talked about this before. I think a lot of employers have, uh, have gotten numb to the trend increases that they get year in and year out. And you know, have almost, you know, reached this point of helplessness where they've stopped asking those questions. They've stopped asking the why and, you know, they get a 5% increase and, and they celebrate because they think that's, you know, that's, that's a good result. And I think that's, that's a, a, a paradigm that needs to be challenged. Period. Absolutely. You know, if you think about it, really, that 5% increase, you know, that typically means to us that the group is incredibly healthy and they should have gotten a reduction in premium from their carrier. You know, ultimately, it was, you know, the employer thinks it's a gift, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's really about, you know, well, you know, putting a, and applying a different lens to your health plan benefit because employers, right, they spend a great deal of time on their travel and entertainment policy and where you can stay in a hotel and the airlines you you can use and what restaurants you have, you know, you can't spend more than $50, uh, you know, uh, you know, for dinner or 25 for lunch, but no type of controls and processes really exist for employers on that unlimited healthcare card, right? That ID card that you're giving every single employer. So it's a, it's a roll of the dice. And, um, you know, it's about the senior executives of a company sitting down, rolling up their sleeves, understanding that, health plans can be managed just like 
every other aspect of your business. You just have to want to do it. Exactly. And that's the big thing. You just, you just have to want to do it. But I think more and more people are, are gradually getting there. And I think we probably have a recession you know, somewhere in the near future. And I think that may provide some extra motivation to, to people. But a couple other questions just about, you know, your, your platform. You know, one of the, the challenges with, you know, some of the big ASO carriers and, and their self-funded you know, capabilities is they don't integrate with anybody. They, you know, their solution is the best solution. And, you know, there are a lot of companies in the marketplace doing really innovative, unique things in, in the area of care management, in uh, pharmacy, you know, managing, um, you know, pharmacy costs, specialty medications. And so is, is WellNet an open platform where an employer can, you know, integrate different point solutions? Or is it more of a, a closed platform where you guys have, you know, your own, um, your own specific solutions for various parts of the, the healthcare spectrum? So we are as open as that as, as you can actually be. And what I mean by that is 10 years ago, my partner and I, we actually started another company. It's called Healthcare Interactive. And it's an organization that has built this technology platform that you can plug and play lots of different vendors, whether it's network or underwriting, pharmacy management, care management, and running healthcare all on a single system. We spun that company off in 2014. And to date, you know, we've raised about $15 million from Steve Case and some other venture firms. But it's the same technology that Wellman is using to run our plans. And I'd say over the past 36 months, our plans and our companies are running better than anticipated because of these additional partners that we've brought in to help us manage plans. So, you know, Wellnut does all the account management, the customer service, mm -hmm. the outreach, the engagement. And then we outsource some other items like, uh, you know, um, you know, whether you call it, uh, you know, some carve out networks, you know, like dialysis and things like that. You should really focus on an organization, what you do well, and then find best of breed partners to, you know, do what you may not do. Um, you know, they, they're maybe more effective than you. And so we're looking, we're willing to look at any partner because I think that makes the strength of the solution, the savings better, and certainly the employee experience better. As long as now you have one ID card and you have one central place, whether it's online or telephonically that you can go when you have questions, no different really yes. than, um, you may have seen the New York times a couple of weeks ago, Comcast, you know, basically, uh, you know, they built a health plan from scratch because they were tired of working with the carriers. And that's what we've done for groups, you know, I'd say, you know, a hundred to, you know, a thousand in size. We've engineered a plan for an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if, if it is the plan for the entrepreneur, I think that is, that is a key component is being able to bring, bring in best of breed, you know, point solutions. And it, just simple things that come to mind is, you know, virtual primary care, you know, there's some great diabetes care management, you know, vendors out there and, and to be able to plug those in, you know, if it's meaningful to an employer, you know, I think is a good capability. We talked a little bit about the employee experience, you know, relative to being able to interact with, with a concierge, you know, service person. But, you know, in general, you know, the consumer experience with healthcare is, is pretty poor um, because we have a fragmented system of care, um, you know, we, we use all these terms and this jar and jargon in insurance. And if anything, we've, we've done a great job of, of making it very confusing for the average person. What are you guys doing to try to create a better consumer experience? And, and how are you simplifying, you know, the healthcare journey for a member? 
That's a, that's a really interesting point. I feel like, you know, the, those entities that we compete with out there, they keep it com- complicated and confusing for a reason. They go, again, that's to protect revenue streams. And so we feel like, you know, no one should be required to be an expert in healthcare, right? They're dealing with enough issues. And so if we can work to support and assist employees, ultimately in making the right decisions for themselves and their families, employees shouldn't feel alone, right? They don't need to be confused and overwhelmed when it comes to understanding their benefits. So if we can provide the right touch points at the appropriate time of care, both pre, during, and after, and be available to answer those questions, follow up with emails, make ourselves available via text, you provide a frictionless user experience. And that's really what's missing in healthcare. And that's one of the challenges we've solved as well. Got it. Do you guys track any statistics for uh, customer satisfaction or NPS scores or anything like that? So as of January 2019, we're going to be rolling out an NPS uh, you know, score tracker. I think it's incredibly important. We've seen some of our competitors in the private spe- sector space do that as well. If you look at some of the you know, NPS net, pro- pro- net promoter scores for some of the large carriers, I think those figures are 7 to 15, incredibly low. And so that's incredibly important low. to us, you know. We have, uh, you know, uh, in terms of experience and online with our mobile platform, we have about you know, 40% of our members using our online mobile device. And so, you know, we're looking to kick that up to 50, 60%, you know, come 2019. And we've got some strategies in place to do that. But, um, you know, it's like our health plans. You've got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. So it's about process improvement for us. So we've, we've talked about a lot of things here, Keith. Are there any other services that you guys are providing to your clients that you feel is unique that you'd like to mention that I haven't asked about? You know, we sell, I'd say most of uh, the time, you know, uh, you know, competitive lower cost health plans, but well, it does offer also standalone pharmacy benefits, you know, competing head to head with the pharmacy benefit managers as a carve out basis, as well as standalone population health, you know, let's call it disease management, wellness on steroids, where we're taking all of the data, uh, you know, prospectively dumping it into a modeler, identifying some of the, you know, high cost, moderate cost items and areas of opportunity for employers. So whether an employer wants wanted to, you know, swap out WellNet for their full replacement health plan, or, you know, they wanted to, you know, keep who they had and, and carve out by, uh, you know, starting with, uh, you know, 20% of their plan or just focusing on the data aspect, we have those abilities as well. The key item is, is that we like to sit on the same side of the table as our employer and broker groups. And so WellNet oftentimes is looking to put our fees at risk, you know, in essence, do what we say, say what we do. I haven't seen any carrier typically, you know, willing to do that. And so, um, you know, it allows us to, you know, walk the walk and, you know, you know, and, you know walk the talk. I mean, that's, uh, that's really what it's about. You know, we're not the biggest player in the industry. I do think we're one of the better ones. And it's because the people and the partners that we have and the customers who needed to get off the, you know, carrier, you know, in the traditional ASO hamster wheels. So that's interesting. So, so you, you have your, you're basically, you know, your own PBM um, that you're running that you can, you can sell along with, uh, you know, care management services direct to an employer. Yes. 
Yeah, so we've had that. That's been our legacy business. So I think starting off from our initial conversation of, you know, how do we get started and how do we get in the business? You know, WellNet, you know, many years ago was, you know, just a, you know, we were a dental company first, then migrated to a, a pharmacy benefit manager and just, you know, carved out prescription drugs from, mm-hmm. you know, large insurance companies. And we were improving the profitability or the loss ratios of the carriers because we then had a, a wellness organization and outreach. And we said, the heck with that. Let's, let's build something. And so in essence, we built that piece of software that I mentioned, our technology company that ultimately allowed us to become a full service, you know, healthcare plan to compete with the large carriers. So offer the same services that they do, simply more efficient and less expensive with a better user experience. But we've learned at each step along the way. So it's like building bridges from what we've done in the past both internally and then others that we've brought in in the future to help us go even further. Got it. Now, you mentioned fees at risk. So, so let's talk about fees for a second. What is the, the fee structure? It is a per employee per month or, or another type of arrangement? So, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, typically it's a per employee per month fee. And, you know, let's say a group is coming from a fully insured plan and, uh, you know, their max cost is supposed to be, you know, let's say two and a half million dollars. And we think that the group will run maybe at, you know, 2.3 or 2.2 million dollars. We'll, we'll agree to that particular baseline with the member. If the member spends more than the 2.6, we'll refund some of our management fees. And if the member spends less than the 2.6, we'll participate in some of the upside. Now, granted, we don't do that with every group. We do that with the employer groups and the broker partners that we feel good about because, you know, it's about the right groups, the right partner and the right, um, you know, aligned philosophy. You know, we're not looking yeah. to take a bath on any particular group. It's, it's really about doing, you know, doing what you say, say what you do. I like that. So, so you're willing to put fees at risk, you know, um, you know, should the group not perform, you know, as well as expected, but also, you know, should, you know, as a result of your services and, and what you guys are doing, if you're able to drive uh, costs, you know, below a certain threshold, you know, you're, you'll participate in, in some of that, um, those good results as well. So upside and downside Absolutely. risk. Absolutely. I, I'll give you an example. We have a car dealer here on the uh, East Coast. They're about 600 employees. Now, they were fully insured for almost 18 years with Blue Cross. After 24 months in running, and all we did was, you know, take their uh, fully insured plan and uh, level fund them, we saved them almost $4 million. Now, out of that $4 million, I'd equate probably 800000 900000 to some of the cost containment solutions that WellNet actually implemented. That group, we didn't put any fees at risk, and you know we participated in none of the upside. And the owner, he said, listen, he said, you guys are directly responsible for that for us. He said, you know, I wish you would have done this because, you know, you could have earned more. But, you know, so, um, you know, we, we continue to refine our business model, you know, for uh, opportunities like that. And, you know, for $4 million in savings and, and given the margin of, uh, of, of the car business, that dealer, in essence, you know, that for him, it was like selling 4,000 extra automobiles. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big huge. difference. That makes a huge dent. That's huge. That's huge an employee size threshold? I mean, do you guys have a target market that you're interested in working on small groups, middle-sized, mid-sized groups or large groups? What, what are you going after? 
So I'd say, you know, we, we like a small and mid-sized space. We focus on groups, you know, we say 50 to 10,000. Our sweet spot is really 100 to 1,000. You know, we, we do have many groups that are 3,000 employees, 5,000 and 7,000. But we see many of the groups, you know, that want the solutions of a, you know, a large entity but don't know where to turn to. And so I think we've become the expert in the, you know, small to middle market space. So who do you think you're a good fit for, Keith? Um, is there, uh, and, and who might you not be a good, good fit for? So I'd say uh, maybe start with the second part first. You know, anytime there are, uh, you know, decisions by committee, um, whether it's a school board, you know, that may be uh, somewhat challenging. But, you know, anybody that has a health insurance plan with one of the large carriers or a TPA or an ASO, we're traditionally very effective for. We thrive, Michael, when we work with groups that are, you know, own and run by entrepreneurs, you know, privately held organizations where every dollar saved goes right back to EBITDA, you know, where these entities can provide additional value, other programs, other solutions, culture improvement with dollars that we have saved. Healthcare is hurting everybody. And if we can change um, and educate and, you know, do the job that we have been doing for employers in uh, you know, 35 markets around the nation, you know, we think we've done something effectively. And so we see that being recognized by employer groups, again, that are mostly, you know, privately held around the country. So whether it's, uh, you know, construction, finance, technology, I mean, you name it, uh, manufacturing, you know, we have groups across the board. Got it. Got it. So we've talked about a lot uh, so far, Keith, is there anything um, you're really excited about in the business now? Any improvements or, or new developments that you'd like to share with the audience? You know, for us, um, you know, we've grown the organization considerably, hired about 20 new individuals in the past 60 days. For us, it's about stepping on the gas and, uh, you know, getting deeper with the partners that we have because our broker partners are using Wellnet to, you know, write new business retain existing customers. And, uh, you know, we, we leave it like this. And, and the growth that we've had over the past several years, it's been in the double digit range, is that, uh, you know, healthcare expenses are not getting any less costly for the foreseeable future. It's time to do something about the plans now. Don't wait till next renewal. And so, you know, for us, where we're really spending a lot of our time and what we're doing is educating. That's what's on tap for us in the future. Got it. Well, and I, I think there's a need for it. I think, uh, you know, a lot of employers are, are mired in status quo approaches and, and, and strategies. And, you know, the only thing that will change that is education over time. Absolutely. Uh, so, Keith, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? Mm, let's see. The one question that you should have asked me that you may not have, I would say, is uh, you know why uh, why employers don't select working with WellMet, and uh, you know how I would answer that is um, I would say inertia. Ready? Right? You know, it's um, employers think it's uh, you know too tough of a change, too too much of a challenge, and that their carrier is finally going to help them this year. You know, and and the flip side, what I would say is you know for us, it's like swapping a, a credit card with a lower rate. You know, exactly the same solution, better pricing, more management. It's about delivering. So, uh, you know, 
I, I would uh, suggest that you know those entities that are working with you know brokers and consultants that are bringing them the same four carriers on a spreadsheet is push back, ask the tough questions. What else is out there? Who else is saving money like me? And what other companies are there that's going to put me back in the driver's seat and allow me to run my health plan like I run the rest of my business? Love it. Great, great question. All right. So, so how can people interested in Wellnet learn more about the, the product and service and get in touch with, uh, with some of your, your sales folks? So our, our sales folks are, uh, are located in eight markets around the nation. All of our information is also on our website, wellnet.com. And for anybody uh, you know, that may be listening, we, uh, we run a variety of uh, webinars, one that we're holding next Monday on October 16th, you know, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and uh, all that registration can be done on our site. And then we also have rolled out a, a new campaign called Pragmatic Brevity. So it's, in essence, lots of short, smart, nuggets that we're putting out online on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and a variety of other social channels geared towards the executive suite as well as the broker consultant suite that people can utilize to challenge the status quo. So, you know, all those social channels as well as on our website and, uh, you know, we're, we're ready, we're available and uh, our team is, uh, you know, standing by to assist with calls, meetings, webinars, you name it, Michael. Great, great. Well, hey, uh, Keith, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you. I think this has been a, a great discussion. I think it's been, been uh, super informative for our audience. Terrific, Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. All right. That was another great episode in the books. Thanks to all for, for joining and listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. For those of you interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Wellnet's website and contact information, as well as a host of additional good content and articles. Lastly, we are always looking for innovative companies to interview on the podcast. If you know of someone doing good work in the industry to help lower healthcare costs, or tackle a dysfunctional element of healthcare, drop me a note with a description of the company and we'll take it from there. Thanks again and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.